This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Go to GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Hello, and welcome to Daily Drive. It's Thursday, February 10th, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. Auto dealers managed to do well in 2021, despite the lack of new vehicles. We'll dig in on one big company's eye-popping results in a bit. First, let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Automaking is facing yet another challenge. A protest blocking a major international trade route between the U.S. and Canada is now stifling vehicle production in both countries. General Motors, Ford, Stellantis, and Toyota have all reported supply issues at factories due to the situation. The Ambassador Bridge, which connects Detroit to Windsor, Ontario, has been closed since Monday night. That's when protesters, who are demanding a number of things, including the end of vaccine mandates, started a blockade at the bridge. Here's the latest in how the protest is impacting vehicle output. Toyota says it does not expect its two plants in Ontario to produce vehicles for the rest of the week. Among other models, the automaker builds the popular RAV4 crossover in Ontario. Ford suspended engine output in Windsor, while its Oakville factory near Toronto is operating on a reduced schedule. Stellantis says the first shift at its Brampton assembly plant in Ontario was shortened on Wednesday. The company's Windsor minivan plant also had issues this week. And General Motors telling the Detroit Free Press that the second shift at its Lansing Delta Township assembly plant in Michigan was canceled on Wednesday. The factory remains down for the first shift today. For continuing coverage of the blockade and its impact on the auto industry, stay locked on autonews.com. In the U.S., the luxury market share race went down to the wire. Tesla's big surge at the end of the year made it look likely that the automaker would overtake BMW to become the U.S. luxury champ for 2021. But according to newly released vehicle registration data, BMW managed to hang on to the crown for the year. Experian reports BMW eked out the win by just 5,041 vehicles. Both brands topped 340,000. The firm says Tesla's registrations jumped 71% from 2020, while BMW's grew 24%. The registration data has been closely watched because Tesla does not break out U.S. sales from its global delivery numbers. I should note, sales and registration data do not track perfectly. Some industry estimates put Tesla sales higher than BMWs for the year. Among EVs, Experian says Tesla had the two best-selling models in the U.S. last year by far, with the Model Y topping sales charts and the Model 3 in second place. Ford's Mustang Mach-E edged out the Chevrolet Bolt for the bronze, or third place. More bad news for Tesla? California's civil rights regulator says it is suing the automaker for racial discrimination. That after finding what it called widespread harassment of black workers at the company's factory in Fremont. Bloomberg reports that the Department of Fair Employment and Housing says it received complaints from hundreds of workers. The agency says Tesla's factory is a, quote, 
racially segregated workplace where black workers are subjected to racial slurs and discriminated against in job assignments, discipline, pay, and promotion. In a blog post on Wednesday, Tesla called the lawsuit misguided and said the agency has never raised concerns about current workplace practices at the company. Turning to EV charging, the Biden administration laid out plans to award nearly $5 billion to build thousands of electric vehicle charging stations in the U.S. Congress approved the funding to states as part of the bipartisan infrastructure bill passed last year. The Biden administration says that states should install the charging stations every 50 miles along interstate highways, and they should be equipped with at least four DC fast chargers. And that's the news you need to know. Lithium Motors has big plans for rapid growth. Is it actually running ahead of schedule? We'll get into the details after this. Listen to Fred Hayes, service manager at Temecula Valley Buick GMC, and Philip Candido, fixed operations director, talk about their experience with GoMoto in their service drive. Before GoMoto, the backups in the service lane were due to not being able to get to the customer in a, in a timely manner. There's times where menus are passed over where the advisor forgets to tell them, hey, it needs its major service. And now with the GoMoto, customers are presented with a maintenance package every time. The time freed up from not having the customer sitting in front of them every single time they come in. It helps them be more efficient. It helps them focus more on the customer's concern and the, the maintenance and service of the vehicle. Before GoMoto, we would average approximately 130000 in service gross. The kiosk in the service drive doubled the gross profit in the dealership. It's amazing, 100%. Using the GoMoto kiosk makes the dealership more profitable. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency just like Temecula Valley? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Welcome back. I'm Jamie Butters. A year and a half ago, Lithia Motors and CEO Brian DeBoer set out to quadruple the dealership group's revenue, largely through acquisitions, but also by growing its digital retail business. At a time when per-vehicle profits are soaring, the fast-growing company had record results by almost every measure. And yesterday, the stock jumped 5.9%, topping $316 to secure its highest closing price of 2022. Automotive News staff reporter Jack Walsworth covers Lithia, and he reports that the company's growth plan is still humming along. Jack, welcome to Daily Drive. Thanks, Jamie. Lithia announced its fourth quarter financial results this week. I know dealerships have been doing really well, but just how good were Lithia's fourth quarter and, and full year results? Sure. Yeah. So uh, both both results were strong for Lithia. Uh, Lithia's Q4 was really bolstered by increased new and used vehicle sales, uh, higher average vehicle selling price, and a rising gross profit profit per vehicle. Um, Lithia's new and used vehicle sales rose 34% in the fourth quarter and climbed 51% for the year. So definitely some growth there. And that, that's coming at a time as Lithia keeps acquiring more dealerships and also a continued rollout of Driveway, which is its omni-channel retailing tool. Uh, for Q4, Lithia's revenue was $6.3 billion, which was up 60% from a year earlier. Uh, Lithia's Q4 net income was $291 million, which was up 55% from a year earlier. 
And Lithia's Q4 adjusted income was 348 million, which was up 138% from a year earlier. So definitely some pretty strong results there. Um, for the year, Lithia sold 100, or sorry, for the quarter, Lithia sold 134,726 vehicles new and used, which was, like I said, a 34% increase. And for the full year, Lithia sold 536,233 new and used vehicles, which was a 51% increase. So large increases on the sales front. Um, for the full year of 2021, Lithia's revenue was 22.8 billion, which was uh, up 74% from a year earlier. Uh, Lithia's 2021 net income was 1.1 billion, which was a 125% increase from the year earlier. And uh, Lithia's adjusted income for 2021 was 1.2 billion, which was up 166% from a year earlier. So again, some definitely strong increases uh, on those metrics. Yeah, big growth in uh, in the number of vehicles sold and uh, higher profit per vehicle leads to a, a real solid, <laughs> really solid bottom line. Yes, for sure. And um, you know, one result that really stood out uh, going off the higher prices: the average gross profit per unit on new vehicles uh, more than doubled to six thousand one hundred fifty-three dollars in the fourth quarter, which is a, a very large figure, uh, to say the least. Yeah, uh, more than double per vehicle. That's uh, that's amazing. So of course, most of our listeners probably know, you know, Lithia has thrown down some pretty, pretty big goals for growth, largely through acquisitions. So right. how's that coming? So yeah, they're, they're definitely making some significant progress on their, their plan. So as a, a reminder for those folks who might, might have forgotten, uh, back in July of 2020, Lithia revealed a five-year plan uh, to reach 50 billion in rev annual revenue by 2025, uh, which at the time was nearly quadruple 2019's uh, revenue of 12.67 million, so quite the increase. Um, but you know, after this Q4 results, we kind of have a better idea of how they're at at the moment. And uh, for the full year, like I said, they'd reached 22.8 billion in revenue, so they're almost halfway there. Uh, they're getting close, and you know, a huge part of that that they gotten that growth from is their acquisitions. Uh, as those in the industry know, Lithia has been on a, a buying tear these past uh, few, probably almost two years now. And uh, today, uh, Brian DeBoer on the call with analysts noted that since the launch of that five-year plan, uh, Lithia has acquired over $11 billion in annualized revenue. So, uh, you know, like I said, all of Lithia's acquisitions, whether if they're large, like the Suburban deal, or just for one or two rooftops, you know, those are all playing a key role in its growth strategy going forward. And, you know, it's, we're here in mid-February, and Lithia just made its first acquisition of 2022. And they bought three dealerships in Northern California which they said will add an expected $700 million uh, to its annual revenue. So they're already off to a pretty fast start. Um, and today on the call with analysts, uh, Brian DeBoer also mentioned that they have around $1.1 billion uh, in annualized revenue for deals that are under contract. So more is coming. Uh, we're not sure when that's going to be, but uh, Lithia is definitely forecasting that more deals are, are headed. Yeah, it sure doesn't look like the uh, consolidation trend that you've been covering, that you and Melissa Burden have been covering, has uh, has slowing down any. With Lithia's ambitious plans, it, it seems in the long run, clearly it's intending to become the number one auto retail group in the U.S. Where does it look like it stands now? and How are the rankings starting to shake out uh, for this current year? Yeah, so Lithia has definitely had a huge impact on uh, the top rankings that we put out every year. Um, really, everything kind of got put in the motion when they acquired the Suburban Collection here in Michigan last April. Uh, and at that point, 
we had kind of said that this was going to vault them past Penske to number two on the list from number three, um, just given the sheer size of the suburban collection. So um, you know, now that's almost coming up on a year since that deal closed, we've kind of a better idea of how the list is going to look. And of course, Lithia is not the only public group that's made large acquisitions here in the past year. Um, you know, Group One, Asbury and Sonic also made mega deals of their own. And that's really going to change you know, the, the order of that top seven or so dealerships. You know, top 10, there's obviously the publics are all, are, all are in there, but uh, you know, four of the publics made huge acquisitions and uh, nothing going to change up the things. So yeah, it's hard to say what it's going to be right uh, for this upcoming year, just because we don't have all the data yet, but definitely think Lithia is going to be up and then we'll probably see some other movement from other groups, uh, just given us the size of some of these acquisitions. Uh, you know, each uh, group one, Asbury, Sonic, uh, the, their mega deals were of large groups in of themselves. Um, you know, Asbury bought Larry H. Miller, which was number eight on the list. So that is a huge one. Uh, Sonic bought RFJ Auto Partners, which was another big group. And of course, group one buying Prime uh, is, is another huge, huge deal. So definitely going to be some movement. And uh, it does kind of feel like Lithia got, these, got this whole uh, ball rolling back in April of next year. And a lot of a lot of consolidation. The big ones uh, getting bigger, and of course, uh, probably still Auto Nation uh, staying on top as number one, right? Right. Yeah, and it is worth pointing out that Auto Nation and Penske did make acquisitions uh, on their own in 2021. Um, of course, those weren't at the same level as some of the other publics, but it's it's not like they just sat there uh, and not made any moves. So they they did make their own acquisitions, and you know, it's also worth pointing out too that. Uh, the publics that did make these mega deals, they, they haven't stopped buying. Uh, they, they still have made acquisitions. Some have been for, for smaller groups. Some have been for single stores. But uh, it does seem like they all kind of have their foot on the gas pedal. And uh, you know, whether it's one deal or you know, several, they're definitely still making moves. The beat goes on. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate your time and your coverage. Yep. Anytime. Thanks, Jamie. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. When you need the latest news on retail consolidation or anything happening in the auto industry, type in autonews.com. Thanks to Jack Hallauer for editing today's show. Thanks to the ANTV team and web editor Victor Galvan for their support. And thanks to you for listening and making this show part of your daily routine. Now, let's get back to work.